Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Zealand Teaching Podcast. We are a local church in Zealand, Michigan, and we desire to know Christ and to make Him known. We invite you into the same journey with us now as we open the scriptures and as we ask God to teach us and reveal Himself to us in His Word. Thanks for stopping by. Um, thank you for bringing in buckets. I love it. I'm going to bring some of these over here just because that way maybe we can stagger a little bit. Um, but we're talking about buckets today. I'm going to bring a couple of these over here, kind of more in here, and you can move them if you need to when you get to your part. Uh, I'm co-teaching this morning with my friend Jay back here. Jay serves as one of our elders, and we're going to talk about buckets today. Uh, before we get there, there's one uh, thing I want to mention. Um, we, we kicked off a lot of fall ministry last week, and we continue to kick off fall ministry uh, and, and engage in that today. Um, this week, uh, we're going to have a host of kids, a host of young people, a host of adults coming through this building and there's an incredible opportunity we have, not just in this building, by the way. Um, everywhere a follower of Jesus goes, we have the opportunity to speak words of God's truth into the lives of people. And would you just briefly, before we turn to John chapter 4 and we talk about buckets for a minute, um, would you turn, please, to Ephesians chapter 1? Ephesians chapter 1. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do, church family. Uh, I want you to engage in praying Ephesians 1, 17 over the lives of students in this church, over the lives of young people in this community, may, maybe even over your own kids, or maybe you're leading a small group and you've got ones that you're trying to, to, to um, share the good news of Jesus with. And here's what I want you to pray. And what I love about this is no, no matter your, your age, your health status, or, or wh- whether you're joining us online or you're here in person, This is something that we can ask God for. Paul prays for this, for the Ephesian believers. And here's what I want you to pray as we enter into Sunday night ministry with students, 7 through 12. As we enter into uh, pre-K through 6th grade ministry on Wednesday night. As there's a women's Bible study that starts tomorrow. There's two sessions of that. You can sign up out in the lobby if you haven't yet. There's all these opportunities, but here's what I want to ask us to pray. Paul writes this. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. There's a lot of things that we can do in life, but if, if we're not pursuing knowing God, we miss something very important and foundational to who we are. So here's one way you could work this out. As you go home today, write it down on a card, this verse, write it down on a card, stick it somewhere where you see it. And as you come to that card and you read it, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Insert someone's name into there. Insert middle school boys, small group. Insert high school girls as they meet on Sunday night. Insert ladies Bible study as they meet on Sunday morning and Sunday night. God, would you give this person, this group of people, would you give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him? Because that's why, why, that's why we exist. We want to know Christ. We want to make him known. We want the life that Jesus has given us to overflow to the people around us. And so thank you for joining us in that. Write that on a card. Um, send, set a reminder in your, in your phone to pray that. Um, 
make that specific to you and the people you know and the people in your, in your, in your family or your friends, but pray that for our church as well as we engage in this week. Um, we are looking at buckets this morning, okay? So last week we looked at band-aids, these things that, that cover up wounds in our life and in how Jesus wants to be a wound healer for us and how we need to be recognizing that we have wounds, we, we, we all have these wounds. Sometimes they're, they're caused by decisions we've made. Sometimes they're caused by things we can't even control. But we have these wounds in our life that are caused by sin. Um, today we're going to talk about buckets. And buckets are simply this. We've got lots of buckets. There are ways that we seek to fulfill our own needs instead of going to God. Right? It's really easy. For example, oh, here's my bucket over here. Um, Here's my bucket, and I have like some great tape in here that's almost out, so that's not very effective. And another tape that is not almost out, but I've got like a chisel in here. I've got a whole bunch of things that I might use for a project or two at home. I've got some panel board nails. Whatever I was doing with that, I used at some point. I have another bucket up here of a good old baseball bat. It's baseball season, fall ball in our house, and so bats like this or... Bats like this are very, very prevalent. There are things that we use all the time in life. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. But when things stand in the way of our walk with Jesus and our dependence upon him, they become buckets that lead to just empty living. What God wants us to engage in, what he calls us to, is to have this deep, vibrant relationship with him. I, I said it this way last week. God wants us to have a flow through living. He wants to take us deeper today than we were last week in our walk with him. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Next week, we'll talk about the table, and we'll pick that up when that time comes. So uh, last week, also, I got this great question from a friend of mine. Uh, they, they posed it like this, and I wanted to share it because I thought it was really helpful to just kind of reframe some of the teaching that we did last week. They, they said this. They said, every time I've read through the woman at the well, I've seen Jesus is confronting this woman's sin. They said, you presented it as exposing a wound. Why would this be? And, and I replied simply, but I want to reply more, less simply here. Um, it's both. He, he's addressing a wound because she's a person who has been wounded. But at, every, at the root of every wound is some sort of sin, right? We, we live in a fallen world. In Genesis, it says that God created this and it was good. And he saw this and it was good and saw this and it was good. He comes to the last day of creation. And, and it says that he made man and women in his image. Um, after his likeness. And God said it was very good. But God also created the opportunity for mankind to choose whom we will serve. So the story of the Bible is the story of in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve decide to take the fruit. And in essence, they say, God, we want to pursue something else. We want to worship something else rather than you. And sin enters the world and therefore wounds enter our story. And it's that reason why Jesus comes. He comes to address the wounds in our life, things that we do, things that are, are byproducts of living in a sinful world. It was never God's intention, and one day we'll be fully righted. But Jesus' goal, I think, in talking to this woman, because he's on a divine mission. In John chapter 4, you can turn your Bibles to John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, we talked about it briefly last week. It says in verse 4 that he had to travel through Samaria. Uh, your translation might say it was necessary that he traveled through Samaria. 
Jesus is on a divine mission from God, and it involves, in part, meeting this woman at the well, breaking a whole host of cultural and social and racial norms so that he could speak to her about what it means to have living water. And that's where we're going to be looking at today. This idea of buckets and this idea of Jesus of living water. He wants to call her into a new way of living that is given to her by him. So, um, you can go ahead and remain seated right now, but would you please um, just join me in reading John chapter 4, verse 7, okay? Verse 7 is where I'm going to pick up. These are the words of God. It says, a woman of Samaria, she came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, for his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. She asks in verse 9, how is it that you, a Jew, asks for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman. She asked him, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. He would give you living water. So I remind you, Here's a map of the country of Israel. You have Judea down in the south. You have Samaria in the purple. And you have Galilee up in the red. He's going north. He started somewhere down in Judea. He's going up through um, this pass right here. I don't know if you can see that. If you're on live stream, you probably can't see that. Uh, but this is the town of Sychar. It's right down here in the southern part of Samaria. Jesus is coming up. He's going between Mount Gerizim to the south, Mount Ebal on the north. And he's going to follow this valley up through, but he's going to stop at a place called Jacob's Well. Here's kind of a zoomed in for you, if you will. Sychar is right in the middle there. That's where the story takes place. Here is Sychar. So you have, on this side, you have Mount Gerizim. On this side, you have Mount Ebal. You can kind of notice here, there's a road that comes up this way, and right off the road is what is called Jacob's Well. That's where Jacob's Well is. The town is right over here. So this woman's coming over here, to get water, but this water is not terribly far off of a natural path that would have led through this valley up into the northern part of the Galilee. Another photo of it in the early 1900s. Here's a photo before they kind of built up this whole edifice around it, and you can go there and do all sorts of stuff. This is before, or just kind of as they're beginning that, they're getting some of the stones for that in place. So this is about 100, 120 years old or so, is what it looked like. And Jesus is going to talk about living water. He, he actually says to her, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. There's a couple of words I want you to just kind of make note of here. The first one is the word knew. If you knew, Jesus said, if you knew, the second word is gift. If you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would Ask is the third word I want you to notice. And he would give you living water. These are important words in this because Jesus is beginning to reveal himself more fully to her. We'll, we'll get to the point where he, where he actually says in verse 26, I am he, meaning I am the Messiah. I am the one who is the anointed one sent to redeem. But here he's just saying, if you knew who I was, you would ask me and I would give you a gift. Now, this is a woman, as we have said, who, who is on the outskirts of society. 
We looked at briefly last week, she, she has five husbands, and Jesus will say in a few minutes in the story, um, you have five husbands, but you're living with one now who is not your husband. She, she is someone who in all right senses, he could say, don't you know the seventh commandment of the Torah says thou shalt not commit adultery, and he could have condemned her right there. Now, in a way, he does call out what she's doing, but he does so in such a way by beginning by saying, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew who was talking to you, you actually wouldn't be the one who is serving me. I would actually be serving you because he wants to give her something she doesn't deserve, that she hasn't earned, nor can she earn, and he wants to invite her into a way of living with living water. He says, if you knew the gift of God, this has to be something that she knows. She has to understand something about who Jesus is. This isn't just a, oh, I feel this. She needs to understand cognitively, this is the Messiah before me. This is the revealed God who has come to earth full of grace and truth. But not only that, she has to understand that there's a gift that he wants to give her. Again, something she can't earn, something she doesn't deserve, that's why it's a gift. I don't know about you, if you uh, give presents at Christmas or you do something like that for a birthday or something else, uh, it's fun to receive them, especially when you don't deserve them. Like on your birthday, you're like, well, it's my birthday, maybe I'll get something. But every now and then you might have someone give you something in the middle of the week and be like, hey, here, I have this for you. Someone shows up with a coffee on your desk when you arrive at work. Uh, your kid wakes up, they make a breakfast for you, and you're like, this is such a gift, especially if it tastes good. Um, you do all these things, and you receive something that's surprised, not deserved, and unexpected, and you go, wow, this is a gift. And Jesus says, if you know who's saying to you, you know this gift, you would say, give me a drink, and he would give you living water. Living water is a gift, and Jesus is going to say um, a couple verses later in verse 14, that this water, this living water, he defines it as eternal life. So, Jesus offers her something specific. Now, this is a woman who is going to the well. She goes to the well at least daily, if not more than that, because you have to have water for all sorts of things. I was just talking to a friend of mine in our community group uh, right before church started, and they're, they've been doing this kitchen remodel. And he said, oh, it's so nice to have a kitchen sink back. Uh, imagine if you don't have running water in your house, and you have to go out somewhere in order to have water just to wash your hands or just to make a cup of coffee, or to get a drink. Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you something that's going to well up within you. We, we, we take water for granted, uh, because in our day, we pretty much have to turn a button, push something, and we have it there, and it's ready, and it's available. What a gift. What a gift from God for plumbers and plumbing and all this uh, awesome stuff. But what he wants to give her is something that is, um, on her mind, she's thinking water, 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 and he's thinking eternal life, eternal life, eternal life. Living water is what he wants to give her. Now, water is key to this culture. Depending on where you're located, there is no daily or weekly or even monthly rainfall in certain parts of Israel. In fact, I'll go back to this 
picture right here. So generally speaking in Israel, the further north you are and the further west you are, the more rain you have. As you come down south and east, the drier it gets. And you can, you can kind of see that to some extent. This is not meant to show precipitation. But, but as you come over into this area, it's dry, dry, dry. So she's used to, even in this area, only having maybe at most 30 inches of rain per year. Like, that's all they get. Now, by contrast, we get about 30 inches of rain here in, in the beautiful area of Zealand. Uh, actually, 37. And we get 80 inches of snow on average, annually in Zealand. So we also have this really thing, uh, this really big lake next to us. And so there's a ton of like water here, but this is an area in which water is key. You don't have water, you don't have life. And so if you're only getting 20 to 30 inches of rainfall per year, and in the summer months, you don't get anything, you have to find a way to store water or you have to have access to a spring. So kind of going forth here, here is living water, all right? Water that's moved by the hand of God, a stream, a river. You might find some of these in certain parts of Israel. In this area, there's not a ton of streams. Um, but here, let me show you this. This is a cistern. So one of the things that they would do is they would dig out a hole from limestone, soft limestone, and they would cover it with plaster because when it rains, you want to conserve every bit of this water. And so they take this plaster, they'd line a hole, or they'd line something uh, like this, and they would find a way to funnel water into it. So when the dry, the dry season comes, they have access to water. Um, in all of this, um, Jesus is touching on a very core need, but he's expanding this um, definition, or he's expanding what, what they're talking about by saying, I want to give you living water. So Oftentimes, water is stored in cisterns. The kind of water he wants to give her is water that flows. Now, if you have an option, uh, I'm looking to see if there's a bucket that might have some water uh, in here. There's, a, oh, there's a bucket, a couple buckets here that have some water. Now, if I were to ask you, um, would you like to have this wonderful bucket filled? Oh, gross. <laughs> would you like to have this wonderful bucket filled with water? Or would you like a brand new—I don't have a brand new one, but—or would you like a brand new filtered water? Which one would you choose? Right. In the ancient period, you would prefer water that moves, water, water that courses through, because— that means that there's life to it. That, that means it's not grown stagnant. That it's not building up all sorts of bacteria. And Jesus wants to give her living water that brings something rich and deep to her life. In this area, um, there are very few rivers and streams, but there's many springs. And Jesus is going to say to her, um, or she's going to say to Jesus, she says, sir, you don't even have a bucket and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? All right. It's on average, people estimate that this well that they're at, Jacob's well, is about 135 feet down. So they're taking a bucket and they're hooking it to something or they're taking a skin of an animal. They're hooking it to something. They're putting it down and down and down and down and down 135 feet. And then they're bringing it back up and they're doing this again and again. And again, and just imagine trying to feed your crops. You know, if you need to give some water to those, imagine trying to feed your animals or not feed water, your animals or give water to your family. It's bucket after bucket, after bucket, after bucket. They're just pulling up water. 
she's thinking he has a source of water that I don't know about. See, living water in the ancient period is water that flows, is in a spring or a river or a stream. That is, as one scholar says, it's moving water. And the scholar goes on to say, living water was precious and valued. And according to rabbinic law, was the only water that could be used in ritual washing to make pure, unclean worshipers. What that means is this. So I showed you the cistern right here. This is called a mikvah. Say mikvah. Awesome. A mikvah is a ritual immersion pool, okay? Think ancient baptism to some extent. It's not exactly a corollary, but it's the practice from which we get modern practice of baptism. Of course, we won't go down that path. But, but what would happen is during certain times of the month, uh, people would come up to the temple to worship. What they would do is they would go through a mikvah. They would purify themselves. And mikvahs, according to rabbinic standard, had to have, I think it was 120 gallons of water in them. And it had to be water that was moved by the finger of God. And so they would, they, they would devise all these systems in order to get water to flow in and water to flow out, just so that it met these, these prescriptions for what kind of water had to be in here. And so what you do is men would typically be over on one side, women would be somewhere else, uh, because this was typically done with very little clothing, because you wanted to make sure that your, your skin, your hair was all touched by the water. And you would go through as a symbolic action of washing away sin. And this had to be done with living water. So th- th- this is water that is used for um, making pure unclean worshipers so that they could go up to the temple. When Jesus offers this woman living water, he's not just offering her water that moves. What he's saying is, I'm going to give you eternal life, and this life is going to be something that is absolutely going to cleanse you from your sin. Why? Because it's going to be my life and my death and my resurrection that make this possible. When he offers her this gift that he is going to give, this gift that God sent his son into the world, not, con- not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In fact, just in the prior section, for God so loved the world in this way that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. They have a living water. He wants to paint a picture for her that what he's going to do is make her clean. And the only way he's going to do that is through his life. It's so important for us to understand at a foundational level that um, we seek many ways in our spiritual lives to find things to satisfy our soul. And Jesus says, come to me. I'm the fount of living water. I'm the one who will give you and give you what you need and quench your thirst in a way that nothing else can. In fact, in verses 13 and 14, he's going to say, Everyone who drinks from this water, meaning Jacob's well, will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again, ever. In other words, they will, they will never for eternity have thirst. In fact, the water, he says, I will give him will become a well of water springing up within him for eternal life. So you'd have ancient springs. These are springs that are fed from the bottom. You notice you don't have to dip the bucket down 135 feet to get water from this because the water is welling up. And Jesus is using this metaphor to describe what the Holy Spirit will do in the life of the follower of him. 
You have these, these springs. But not only that, you have these pictures of this is the kind of life God wants for his people. This is the kind of life he, he invites us into. But it's a life that can only happen when we are fully dependent upon our Father in heaven. Jesus taps into, I think, one of the metaphors and images that's used in the prophets when it says this in Jeremiah 2. For my people, he, Jeremiah says, talking about the people of Israel, they've committed a double evil. They've abandoned me, the fountain of living water. That's God's words to Jeremiah to speak to the people. They've abandoned me, not just practices, not just ways in which you gather for worship, not ways in which you dress. They've abandoned me because at the cornerstone of our spiritual lives is God. They've abandoned me, the fountain, the one that, who springs up life within us of living water. And instead, they've dug cisterns for themselves, cracked cisterns that cannot hold water. We want to talk about how we tend to build our own cisterns or our own buckets the next few minutes. I'll move this out of the way. Because <clears throat> I get the fun part. I get to play with the buckets now. Um, so how many of us have been to a wedding before? Raise your hand. Anybody been to a wedding? Probably most everybody here has been to a wedding at some sort or another. When I was a little kid, my mom woke me up one, I think it was a Saturday morning. I don't know. Um, real early in the morning, you know, that's what I wanted to do was get up early in the morning on a Saturday as a little kid. Um, but she woke me up, and she woke me up so that I could go sit in front of the TV with her and watch a royal wedding. Now, that's been years ago, um, and all the things that happened with it, but I remember that wedding. I remember the image of the bride walking down the aisle, and just this monster long train, just this huge long train. But you know what the important thing about that wedding is? Probably applies to most of the weddings we've all been to, because if you're older like I am, you've been to more than one wedding, Right? But what applies in that wedding is the hopes and the dreams of the two people standing there. There's a bride and there's a groom. And they stand there and they have such hope and they have such love in their heart for each other. And boy, they're just hoping that this future is everything they dreamed it would be. Can you imagine that in your mind? Can you imagine that's what happened? Can you imagine the woman that we're talking about in this story? And that's what she goes to, Right? This is the marriage that she gets to go to. And she gets to, she gets to husband number one. And this is the hope and the dream that she has in her life. And my sign's going to fall off. That's all right. Because um, that bucket's not clean. I would not drink that water either. There is water in there. Um, but that's what she does with husband number one. Whatever happens in this story, we don't know. The word doesn't share with us and all this kind of stuff. And husband number one is gone. And now we have husband number two, right? And husband number two comes along. And you know what I imagine she does? I imagine she takes some of her hopes and her dreams. And here, we'll get rid of that. She takes some of her hopes and her dreams. And she pours them. And she takes them with her to husband number two. She's still carrying the remnants of husband number one, right? She's still got the bucket. I'll try not to spill water all over the place. But she's still got the remnants of husband number one, right? But now she's got husband number two. Oh, my goodness. And now we've got two. And, and the story goes on, doesn't it? And pretty soon, something happens. 
And there's a husband number three. And then we know what the word says, right? There's a husband number four and a husband number five. Oh, what is she trying to fill in her life with all of this? I mean, to take the hopes and the dreams from husband number three, and we're in transfer them, and now my water's a little soapy. Hey, that's cool. Um, and so there's, there's three, and now everywhere we go, everything that we do, everywhere, everything, everything that happens to us, we're carrying empty buckets. Our hopes and our dreams, right? This is what I wanted in my life, but this isn't the way I wanted it. This isn't what I kind of anticipated having. And then, you know, husband, husband four here. Yep, you got it. Husband five. I'm glad, I'm glad there's a little soap in here. Clean the buckets out a little bit. Um, so now there's husband number five. And what happens with husband number five? We don't know. Word doesn't tell us. But we know this. We keep going. And I'm not moving this bucket when I'm done with it because that's too much water. But now we've got five husbands here and now he's not a husband so I just called him the current guy. He's the current one that she's got now. Can you imagine walking around in life and we do this. Let's not kid ourselves. I do this. You do this. We all do this, right? We walk around in life and we go, whoo, man, life is good, right? You go to church. Hey, Jay, how's it going this week? Oh, man, it's going good, right? It's, it's going good. Don't pay attention to my buckets. Ignore everything that's happened in my life. Ignore the hopes and the dreams that I had in my life that just didn't work out. That's what we do in our life. And, and then we add, I don't know if I can do this, let's see. Whoever has the cleanest stage, I'm sorry. Um, and then we add the last one, the newest one. And we want to hold this in front, but our hands are full, aren't they? Because of all the buckets that we have that are unfulfilled. The things that have happened to us, the situations we've run into in our lives, the things that we don't like, I don't really want to walk around with a whole bunch of buckets. I don't want to walk around with a whole bunch of things that I'm trying to fill my life with that, that just don't work. I want to get rid of them. I want to put them down. I don't want to walk away from them. I'll give you an example. I have a bucket in my life. And I didn't do it. I was going to put a big heart right here. And my bucket is about three years, three and a half years. Um, it's a new one in my life. And don't kid yourself, we all do this in our lives, don't we? A little over three years ago, I ended up in the hospital. Now, I'm the kind of guy, typical guy, guys, we know that we do this, right? We go to the doctor once a decade or maybe once every two decades or something like that, right? Typical guy, that's what we do as guys, right? We just don't go to the doctor. I found myself in the hospital Six weeks later, I walked out with this handy little device, and this isn't the device. These are actually batteries that powered that device. It was called an LVAD. And it goes in my pocket. And I'm like, 
God, what are you doing in my life? Because I didn't know what an LVAD was when I walked in the hospital. I had no clue that there were weird shaped batteries like this that powered it up. And it was something that I had working inside my chest the whole time. And it had to be powered the whole time. I think uh, Mark Walters and I were sitting having coffee one day and my, <laughs> my controller, I mean, the batteries only last so long, right? And then you've got to change the batteries and you never unplug both batteries. And if you ever have one, don't ever unplug both batteries. It's really not fun. And we're sitting there having coffee and I wasn't paying attention. We were talking and I unplugged one and I thought I plugged in a new battery and I went to unplug the second one and the controller went into an alarm mode. And it's about 120 decibels. It's really pleasant. We're sitting in McDonald's, and I'm like, holy cow, what in the world? It gets your attention really fast. And I plugged in a battery, and it went quiet, but it was not fun. But you always have to have batteries plugged into it. And so there's a pair of batteries for my controller. My heart journey continues, and there's more things that get, get in my bucket. I got this. It's a nice scrub shirt for the hospital. I actually wore it in the hospital. Um, man, I've seen more medical people in the last three years than I thought existed. I mean, to all respect to any doctors or nurse that may be here or watching online or whatever it is, boy, you guys got a tough job, and thank you for it. But I never realized there were that many. That one in my bucket. God, what are you doing? What are you doing? I don't, I don't want this in my life. I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this bucket. I wasn't looking for this in my life. And it continues on. I've got some medical supplies here. I've got some sterile gloves here. I've got some patches that I used and different things like that. Obviously, you can tell I still got a lot of stuff at home. It goes in my bucket. Now I've got to change dressings. I mean, come on. You know, all kinds of fun stuff like that goes on. I have um, this. My wife gave it to me. It's a diary. Mm. Boy, the questions that are in this book. The thoughts that are in this book. You go through something like that, oh, it's full. It goes in my bucket. What am I, what am, God, what am I doing in this bucket? Why don't I have this? Time continues on. Last November, my phone rings at the house. <clears throat> hey, Jay, we got a new heart for you. Come to the hospital. Wow. Wow. We go to the hospital. Everything happens. I saw more people with those scrubs on. I saw, I slept through people that have scrubs on. I don't know how many people I saw. And this weird thing happens. And it's really cool that this can happen nowadays, but this weird thing happens, and they transplanted my heart. They took my old one out, and they put a new one in. Wow. All right, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? I got to recover from this. I have to get better from this. Hmm. In the midst of all this, somebody in church, she's here today. 
gave me this. You can't read it. It's a 3D printing, um, I think is what they use and all that kind of stuff. It says, trust in the Lord. And she gave it to me early on in my journey. I trust in the Lord. Lord, I trust you. But come on, how much pain can you put in a bucket, right? How much anguish can you put in a bucket? How many times can you fill a bucket for me? How many times can my hopes and my dreams get dashed? How many times can my hopes and my dreams get crushed? Wait, I can't do what? Because I got a heart transplant? Wait, I, you, want, you want me to do what? Because of a heart transplant? There's two more things. Um, the hardest things. My son. My wife. Just as much as I have the physical scars, just as much as I have the effect on me of what happened, they have effects on them that happened too. And now I take my bucket, my bucket is full, and I go, God, what am I doing with this bucket? Can you imagine the pain in this woman's life at a husband number four? Can you imagine her anguish? Hopes and dreams have been dashed all the way. Here she is at husband number four, husband number three, husband number five, husband number whatever it is. Can you imagine how this felt? I take my bucket and I say, God, this is full of stuff. <clears throat> I don't want I don't want to have it in a bucket I don't want to have this in my life I don't want to have the restrictions that I have in my life I don't want to have everything that goes with this I don't want to have the monitor and the medicine and all of this too I don't, I don't want all this in my life this is not what I bargained for this isn't what I went for in my life and Jeremy talked about living water this morning, and oh, oh, I love it. I love it. Because he talks about living water with her, and boy, we watch, and we'll get in this next week, we watch her reaction to the living water, right? And in my mind, this is what I see, and I could fill every bucket on this stage, and then quite a few more with the things that have happened in my life. I can fill them all. If we had covered this stage with buckets, I could fill them all. And most of you could too. Good things. Hey, God, you know what? Let me put the good things in here. Let me, let me take the things that, that, that are good and fun. Hey, let me take the things that are helpful and things that I can do to help other people. I have no idea what that was, Pastor, but um, bless you for having it. Nope, I won't use that. Here, the tape. You know, let me use this because, God, I can use this for you, right? Let me put the good things in the bucket. Let me give you the good things, God. I want to give you the good things because I don't want these things 
to go to you. I want this to go to you. I want to put the good things in the bucket, and this is what I want to give to you, right? And we all do this in our life. Hey, God, this is good. I'm going to give this to you, right? And what I love is the good and the bad and everything else that happens. God's love comes through like a wave. And it cleanses all these buckets. And it cleans out and it helps them grow. This one's got plants growing in it and it's full of dirt. And it helps us grow and all of this. And God's love comes through and his living water comes through in our life. You want know to do with this bucket now? I give it up. I literally give it up. I give it to God, and I give it up to Him. I give up my bucket. You know why? Because I can't deal with this bucket. I can't deal with what's inside this bucket by myself. I can't do it on my own. I give it up to God. You know what God did with my bucket? I'm going to step to the table here for a minute. Um, I ran into somebody one day where you would expect it to be. And I ran into somebody, and they had their own bucket, and it had a heart on it, and they had some things in it and all that kind of stuff. And I went, hey, I got a bucket too. Check it out. We both have a bucket. And we started talking. And you know what happened? the living water that God purified my bucket with and that he filled it with flowed out of my bucket and it went to somebody else. And I went, whoa. Okay, wait a second. Maybe, maybe I kind of do want this bucket. I don't really have a choice. I have some scars to prove it. I don't have a choice. So maybe this bucket has purpose in my life. And I ran into somebody else, and somebody else, and multiple people I've run into. And I went, God, what are you doing in my life with this bucket? Because one of the things I put in my bucket was loss. I was talking to my wife a few weeks ago. And I said, you know what? I feel like I've just lost an entire year of my life. It has been dictated by others. Everything that has happened has just been out of my control, and I've lost a year of my life. And some of you sitting in here can relate to that loss. You can relate to a loss of time, a loss of health, a loss of whatever it is in your life. Some of you can really relate to that, and that's part of it. But you know what God said in that year? He said, I'm going to redeem what I've done in your life. I'm going to help you take what I've done in your life, the bucket that you have in your life, and I'm going to use it in your life to help others. And I'm going to use you to help others. I'm jumping ahead. I'm sorry. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of hurt you for next week. God took her buckets, and he said, I'm going to use these in your life I'm going to use these for someone else in your life, and this is what I want you to do with it. And she went out, and she was used mightily because of it. This morning, um, 
somebody said this and they were like, you know what, it's not the bucket, it's what's in the bucket that counts. And I went, wow, what a great picture, what a great image. It's not the bucket that you carry. It's not what's on the outside of the bucket that you carry. It's what's inside the bucket that you carry. And I'll say this this morning to everyone here. What's in your bucket? We may have multiple buckets that we carry around. And man, they may be full of pain. And they may be full of lost dreams and lost hopes. They may be full of of sin. They may be full of things that I wanted to accomplish in my life that I will never accomplish or I can't accomplish or for whatever reason just aren't possible. We all have buckets in our life. I want to do something this morning that, that we do not do here normally. Pastor and I talked about this earlier this week. But I want to do something that we don't normally do and that's this. I want everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want people to take an opportunity here to deal with your bucket. Maybe it's full of stuff that just, man, you need to get rid of. Maybe it's just dirty and it needs to be clean. Maybe you need living water in your bucket. I want you to do this this morning. Pastor is going to sing a couple verses for us. I want you to take you a moment. Take it in your seat where you are. If you need to, come down front. If that solidifies it for you, if that helps you, come down front. Nothing special about these steps, nothing special about this stage, but come down front if you need to. I want you to think of the buckets in your life. And I want you to think about what is in your bucket. Deal with that with God this morning. Thanks for listening. We hope that what you heard inspires you to take the next step in your faith. If you have questions about this message or would like more information about our church, we invite you to check us out at fbczealand.org or call us at 616-772-4377.